If you have your Bibles, turn as we return to the book of Nehemiah, the sixth chapter. I have so enjoyed, I hope you have enjoyed this teaching series. We're going to go a little longer, and I, 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 we've just been setting some groundwork. There's so much stuff in the book of Nehemiah that is so relevant to our life that I think is helpful, not only for our season of of our church, but I believe that even for your life, that it is so, so good. So turn to the book of Nehemiah, the sixth chapter. If you didn't know it, today is my 29th wedding anniversary. And Holly and I are spending our wedding anniversary with y'all. We love y'all a whole lot, but but we've been married for 20 29 years and God has been good. That's our wedding picture on the far right there. And um, I noticed my head is really big. And I, after studying, I realized my head hasn't changed. It's just the body around my head grew a little bit. Y'all had some big heads when y'all first got married too. Don't get all judgy, y'all. But uh, God has blessed me with an incredible wife, uh, 29 years. We're proud, y'all. We're proud of what God has done. I love you. Wow, God, God knew what I needed when he gave me my wife. And um, I love Holly, I love you, and I thank you so much, babe, for just putting up with me and my foolishness and uh, just being there and, and just two beautiful daughters. And they're pretty because of her. I understand that. They, they, they got normal-sized heads, and it's because of her. And, and I'm grateful for that. Um, so happy anniversary to us. We're going to, after church, we're going to head out of town for a couple of days and just spend some time together. I think we're going to book us a, a spa treatment, spa, spa, spa day, spa day for the Jameses. And um, clearly we're doing that for her. But no, no, it's going to be a good time. And uh, y'all just pray for traveling mercies. We're not going to go too super far, but... If you just pray travel mercies, we'll be so grateful for that. I'm going to read one verse here in the book of uh, Nehemiah, the sixth chapter. It's going to be the 11th verse, and it says this, but I said, this is Nehemiah speaking, but I said, should such a man as I run away? Should such a man as I run away? That's all you get. The name of this sermon I'm going to preach to you today is I'm not running away. I'm not running away. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you so much. Uh, we pray for your spirit today. We thank you for this incredible um, atmosphere. Thank you for this beautiful season that you have us in. I thank you that you're going to move in this place. Holy Spirit, you know how we do it. You know I can't do it without you. I thank you for your word that gives life, that encourages me even as I'm preparing for it. God, I thank you that even many times when I'm preparing sermons for people. God, you really are preparing a sermon for me. And I thank you, Father, this is one of these sermons. And I thank you that we will be able to just to celebrate you together through your word today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, I'm not running away. Come on, get real close where they can smell your breath and say, I'm not running away. I'm not running away. I'm not running away. I am not running away. This is a sermon about courage. This is a sermon about courage. And as we continue to look at the life of Nehemiah as a backdrop, and Nehemiah represents something that I feel is still 
so important for a believer's life, and, and that is found in the word courage. Uh, the willingness to, to be able to endure and to step into something that you are not even comfortable with. Faith in the dark times of your life is hard, but courage is choosing to stand in the dark and believe that the light is coming. Courage is choosing to look fear in the face and stepping forward anyway. It's the ability to do something difficult even when there's a risk involved. You can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you cannot have both. You have to make a choice whether you're going to choose courage or whether you're going to choose comfort. When I was a little boy, I was in the Cub Scouts of America. I was about seven years old. Yeah, they thank you for finding that picture. That's great. Uh, I had a big head back then too. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it is the head. And, and I remember when I joined, I was in the Cub Scouts for about 17 hours, I think. I think. It, and, uh, you know, you're laughing, but y'all need to be thanking me for my service. I'm just saying, I'm just, you need to be thanking me for my service. And, and I remember when I joined the Cub Scouts, they had, as you were joining, an initiation of how to get into this particular troop, Troop 757. And, and, and I didn't even know what the word initiation meant. And I remember it was initiation day, and I had no idea what was going to happen. So we were at the, the Cub Scout leader's house, and all of my friends were there, and all of the new friends that I met by joining the Cub Scouts, they said, you're going to get initiated today. And I'm like, I don't know what initiation means. But I realized after explaining that there's something I had to go through uh, to be able to get into the club, to get into the troop. And, and I remember as we were in the house, the guys that were already initiated, they said, man, you're going to be like so, man, this is going to be so scary, man. He's like, this is going to be so scary. You're going to be so high, high, super high in the air, and it's scary. And, and I mean, I'm like, I don't know, I think I'm seven there, and I'm, and I'm like a little bit like, I mean, there's tears filling my eyes. And finally, the leader of the group, just as they were going outside, says, we're going to go outside and we're going to set up for this initiation. It's going to be so scary, man. It's going to be scary. And, and so I, I was inside and tears started filling my eyes because I'm like, I don't even know what's about to happen. And I was trying to call Barbara James. And, and I, I was like, well, I can't, I can't leave because they're going to know I left. And they know I'm scared. And I was having all these feelings. And, and, then, and then finally they go, okay, we're ready. And they blindfold me. Well, you know if they blindfold you, it's going to get bad. And so they blindfold me. And so they're leading me outside. And, and I know that I'm outside. And then they go, okay, okay, you step up, step up. And I stepped up to something that was about as high as a step or two, and, and, I'm and I'm standing there, and I'm blindfolded, and, and then all of a sudden, I feel myself lifted up, and then I hear voices from a distance. They're going, jump, jump, and I'm just like, my knees are going. <laughs> I'm scared because they had me believing that I was up there 
And of course, when I finally jumped, it was something like, because they had me about this high off the ground. But I remember the feeling and the fear connected to the thing I couldn't see. But what I remembered the most is the courage that I had to muster up to let them put that blindfold on me and being able to see myself through that. And it still sticks to me that day. I didn't last in Boys in Cub Scouts much longer than that. I retired from service and, and moved on to other things. But that was my childhood story of overcoming fear and, and building up courage. Here's a modern day version of courage that I want you to see. Take a look at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was my, that was my updated Cub Scout initiation. And, and I know you're, you're thinking, you know, let me tell you what goes through your mind when you're about to step off of a plane. Like, show that picture where right before I jumped out, it, it, it's a picture that... You're thinking, you're thinking through your entire life right then. And you, and you have this thought like, why in the world am I doing this? Because something about courage that's hidden deep behind all the fear of our life. And here's the thing. God gives us the ability to have courage. God desires for us to have courage to, to attack big things in 
in our life. And when I hit the ground, they did an interview. I didn't want to waste time showing that to you. But they asked me, says, so what do you think? What do you think? And I, and I said, why did you, what, did, what do you think after you jumped out of a plane? And I said, I, I was so excited that I was able to overcome the fear and do something courageous. Now, I had this all planned as I wore the shirt then and I wear the shirt now because I really believe that if I'm going to step into who God has called me to be, my next truly is now. I realize there's some things that God has to build some courage in my life because there are things that God is wanting for our life that it's only going to take some crazy courage to happen. Now, for you, it may not be jumping out of a plane. And, and let me just say, if you committed to this capital campaign and we have your card, I've already signed you up for skydiving. <laughs> We're leaving next Saturday. We're going to have a bus out here and you're jumping. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was a joke. Y'all got real nervous. Y'all just had cuss words form in your mind right when I said that. I heard it. I heard it in the spirit. Y'all said some cuss words in your mind. I... <laughs> For, for me, it's just an example. And, and Tanya and Adrian jumped yesterday that, you know, and, and we've been, and Ricardo, Holly's jumped. My dad, y'all, let, let me, you think I'm too old for courage? You think, no, you ain't showing my, there's my dad right there. My, we're built to break fear. Ronald Ned, he jumped with us uh, when we jumped. There's many of us that we went together and we, we jumped out of a plane together. And here's another thing. The, the sermon is not about the plane. It's not about skydiving. It's simply about understanding that we need courage in our life. And let me just say this on the video. Don't judge the flapping of the skin. You jump out of a plane going 120 miles per hour and see what flaps on your body. I promise, something flapping, something flapping. So I just had to throw that in there for my own self. It's just... Courage is feeling the strong wind of a plane door opening at 10,000 feet. When they're stepping you toward the door, when you want to run away, when you realize that when you're on a plane, there ain't no place to run. There's only one way, and it's... It's down. And, and, and you have to understand that we have the ability to make the decision to, to, endure, to, to endure courage in our life and to overcome fear in our life. When Jesus called Peter, when Jesus was on the water, it wasn't Jesus that told Peter to walk on the water. Peter says, bid me to come. A lot of times he just simply was just saying, listen, I see that there is something that Jesus is doing. I see something incredible that's in front of me and I want to step out. It's courage that caused Peter to step out of the boat. And Jesus said, all right, you want to do this? Let's do this. And so he steps out of the boat and then we know that, that he begins to walk on the water until the point where fear started setting in and he began to sink. You know the story. But here's the thing. You have to be a little crazy to, to find courage in your life. And Nehemiah was a little crazy. He decided that he was not running away when things got scary. He, he did not run away to the burden of his heart to rebuild the walls. He, he did not run away from a project that was bigger than him. Nehemiah showed incredible courage when, when we look at this sixth chapter. It was the chapter where opposition showed up. There was nothing that will 
test your courage than when opposition will show up. You'll find yourself trying to run into caves and hide when opposition shows up. But there's, there's, not, there's nothing that's gonna test your courage than when you are faced with some stuff in your life. How many people can say, I've gone through some stuff? And there's many, many times, oh, three people, I get you. You're saved, been saved your whole life. But Kelly has gone through some stuff. And I understand, I, I fight the feeling of when stuff comes into my life, when opposition comes in my life, I have a tendency because I think it's the human response to go hide and to hide myself and to run in fear of the opposition. But courage tells you, just like he told Nehemiah, go ahead and climb up the ladder and keep building the wall. And I'm speaking over your life that if you're going through some opposition today, that you can have the courage to stand up again. You can have the courage to believe again. You can have the courage to say, listen, this is a little scary for me, but I'm gonna keep stepping out and trusting you because I know you're the God that loves me and you're not going to let me fail. Have the courage to keep climbing the ladder. In verse one, it says this, now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I, Nehemiah, built the wall and there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem said to me saying, come and let us meet together. Let us meet together in the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. They intended to do me harm. There are significant and courageous decisions that Nehemiah makes in this sixth chapter. And we are in this believe season for our church. And we are in this believe season for our families. And I'm praying that this will be a courageous season for us. That it will only be a courageous season for us as a church, but there will be a courageous season for your family. There are some things that God is wanting to bring into your family, into your home that only courage is going to unlock. There are some things that you're going to have to stand on the side and saying, bid me to come to you. Bid me to come to you because I understand that it's fear that's going to keep me paralyzed, but bid me to come to you. Here's what we are talking today. Three points that I want to give you from the top. Courageous in discernment, courageous over distractions and courageous in your position. Courageous in discernment, courageous over distractions and courageous in your position. Sanballat and Geshem sent and he says, come and let us meet together. But they intended, he said, to do me harm. We have to make sure that we are courageous in discernment for your life. Discernment is a powerful thing that the Holy Spirit makes available to us. And many times we don't pray for discernment until we need something to discern. But I wonder what would happen if you and me and in our our life, if we would Pray for discernment that says whatever I'm facing in this day that the Holy Spirit will give me discernment for. What sounded like a kind invitation from these two gentlemen that could have led potentially to reconciliation, Nehemiah quickly had the courage to identify through discernment what the enemy was trying to do. What is discernment? It's the ability to judge according to God's view and not according to the outward appearance. 
It's ability to judge according to God's view. If we could just pray for discernment, we get an insight of God's view concerning our situation. If we pray for discernment, we get an inside scoop of what God sees concerning our marriage and our kids and our finances. If we can just begin to pray for discernment, I want the inside scoop for my life. And I know that if the Holy Spirit is giving me the opportunity to pray for discernment, how many knows that Kelly James is going to pray for some discernment? Because I don't want to climb the ladders in my life. I don't want to step out in courage. I don't want my feet to hang off the side of an airplane. I don't want to take the jump without. I know that discernment is a part of my life. I don't know what you're thinking. You're judging me because you're thinking you didn't use much discernment when you jumped out of a plane. But here's the thing that has nothing to do with my sermons. But I do believe that when we have discernment, it will help us in our life. It will help us. God's view for us. God has a view of how we interact daily. God knows when we shouldn't step into that meeting. God knows when we shouldn't ride in that car. God knows when we shouldn't have that conversation. God knows when we shouldn't trust that person. God knows all of these things in our life. But he does not. The only way that we get that insight side scoop is we pray for a spirit of discernment. Everybody say discernment. Say it again. Say discernment. We pray for discernment because we know that we are limited and God isn't limited. And we know that we get unlimited resources straight from the mouth of God through the Holy Spirit to give us discernment concerning our life. Courageous discernment brings clarity out of confusion. If you have confusion in your life and you need some clarity, here's what I would in, encourage you to do. Pray for discernment. Have a, have a moment to where your prayer language changes to where you say, God, give me discernment. There's this chaos is not meant for me. I shouldn't be dealing with all of this stuff in my mind. Give me discernment on what I need to do concerning this situation. Nehemiah was working hard. He was on the walls doing great things, moving and shaking, but he still didn't get caught up in the task at hand that he didn't hear the discernment. He says, oh, they want me to come down from here because they're going to do harm. And he was able to pin and pinpoint the discernment and what the enemy had intended to destroy in him. We have to understand that we are in a season of having discernment. We need to have a season. This is a season we need to have discernment for your life. We as believers, how many Christians in the room say I am? We have in 2023, it's very important that we know how to discern the word of God. It used to be where the word of God only came from this platform or your local church platform. Now the word of God comes from all platforms. It comes from social media. It comes from TikTok, it comes Instagram Reels, YouTube. We have all kinds of word. That's great. Praise God for the word that is going forth. But you have to be careful because there's false teaching out there. There's something that there, people are going crazy out there saying stuff that sounds believable, having the fancy microphone on their face looking cool. And I'm not against all that, but I'm here to say you've got to have a spirit of God that can give you discernment. I was yesterday morning, I was running through a reel or something. And I, I said, there was a gentleman that was just sharing. He was cool looking, man. He dressed cool and he was just sitting talking. And he was saying that in the 1940s was the second coming of Christ. That Christ has already come. And I was like, 
He forgot me. And here's the thing. It was believable. It wasn't weird. It wasn't like some kind of, you know, get some churchy people kind of weird acting and say some crazy stuff. No, it was cool. It looked relevant. It looked like it's fit in today's culture, but it wasn't the word of God. And we've got to pray. And I'm speaking to parents with teenagers and children and young adults. You teach your kids discernment. You need to make sure because if we, if it doesn't match up with the word of God and the spirit doesn't confirm it in your heart, don't get all twisted because it looks cool on Instagram. I'm not helping anybody today. No, nobody's listening today because here's the thing. We've got to be a culture and a people that says, no, 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 no. I know it looks good. I know it sounds right. I know it's fancy. I know everybody likes them. I know they got a lot of followers. I know they got all this stuff. But unless it matches the word of God and it's confirmed in your spirit, the spirit of discernment will allow you to confirm these things. And I'm speaking to the ones that haven't been saved very long. You don't have to be saved for 20 years to pray for discernment. God can give you the gift of discernment right here, right now. Pray for discernment. Nehemiah prayed for discernment because he realized, he says, let us meet together in the plain of Ono. I love that. It's such a preaching moment. Oh, no. When people are trying to pull you down from what God has called you to do, you got to have the spirit of discernment to say, Oh no. Oh no. You got another relationship has gone bad. Oh no. Another financial mistake. Oh no. You, you've got to know discernment will keep us from stepping into these same things in our life. You can't go into the valley of oh no. God wants you to have discernment to know so you can say, oh yes, this is exactly what God has for me. I'm not running away. I'm not running away from courageous discernment. I'm not going to run away. I don't want to get all caught up in the whatever. I want to hear what thus saith the Lord is for my life and for our church. I'm not running away from discernment. I'm not going to get caught all in the details and forget that there, are, that there is discernment that is available to me. I think I'm still on this point because I think I'm preaching my, to myself because I know what it's like to be pulled in a lot of different directions. You do too. But how many knows that discernment is real and discernment is here to help us? And then it says this. He goes, and I sent messengers to them, Nehemiah. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Probably the most quotable uh, verse in that whole book of Nehemiah. I'm doing a good work and I cannot come down. Why should I stop the work while I leave it and come down to you? It's courageous over distractions. I'm not running away because of distractions. I'm not running away. If the enemy can distract God's people, then he has won. If he can start getting us to major majoring in the minors, he has won. If he can get us minoring in the majors, he has won. But you've got and I've got to have the power over demonic distractions in our life. Nehemiah was faced with a distraction, but he refused to allow it to allow him to pull him down from the purpose and the plan that God had for his life. We have to know how to pray against distractions because the quicker that we can discern distractions in our life, the happier we will be, the more favored we will be, the more blessed we will be. We won't be caught up in all this stuff if we learn how to, to identify demonic distractions in our life. 
He says, I'm doing a good work and I can't come down. I can't come down to the things that's not for me. I can't come down to the relationships that are working against me. I can't come down and have conversations that I know is gonna hurt me. You've got to know, I've got to know that there are distractions that the enemy will try to use. And, and let me say for a church, we have to be in this season where we're building the church. We're getting ready to break ground. We're believing God. I have to keep my mind. We have to keep our minds on demonic distractions. We're building a church, people, not just a building. And I refuse to allow us to be distracted by the details of building a building that we forget what God is wanting to do in us through the process. Demonic distractions. We have to be courageous over that. Courageous over distraction, discernment. Courageous in your position. Courageous in your position. Nehemiah remembered his position. I'm sure there was many times as these walls were being rebuilt, he went back to the first chapter. It wasn't the chapter then, but we go back to the first chapter. That is a prayer chapter. And he was saying, God, my heart breaks for, for, the, for my hometown. My heart breaks for the city. My heart breaks. And he was allowed, he, he allowed himself to stay connected to his position to know who he was, what his purpose was, what he was there to do. He remembered his position. I love good sports stories. In 1980, the Winter Olympics was happening. The American hockey team basically made up of men that are barely out of their teens. They were young, some just out of college. And they were given no chance of winning the gold medal because to win it, they would have to defeat the mighty, awesome, unbelievably talented Russian hockey team. A team that they had not beaten in the Olympic competition in 20 years. A team that was considered to be invincible. And the American team won the first game. It was a shock to everyone. And then the second game and then the third game. And they moved into the medal round and they were at the face the mighty Russian team in the semifinals. And almost nobody thought they could win the game. And they gathered in the locker room before the game. And the coach, Herb Brooks, looked at the faces of his players and knew that he had just one chance to say something to them. And he said one sentence to them. The pregame pep talk was limited to one sentence. He said this, men, you were born to play this game. And he walked out. And they sit there a little bit confused. Such a big game, such, a, such an incredible moment, probably a lifetime moment for them. And the coach, all he said was, you were born to play this game. Then they walked out onto the ice and they followed him, followed the coach out and went out to the ice and defeated the mighty Russian team and went on to beat Finland for the gold medal against all odds. Here's the thing. Pathway, we were born for a moment like this. We were born for a season like this. 
We were born to play this game. We were born to be a conqueror. We were born to rebuild walls. We were born to do a good work. And we were born not to run away. We're born to say, listen, it doesn't matter if it gets difficult, if it gets hard. We are born to stand firm, just like Nehemiah. He says, listen, I know my position. I know who I am. Because when you embrace courage in your life, it's the greatest time to truly know who you are. Listen, I'm I'm going to go skydiving one more time because I already paid for it. But I'm not built to skydive for the rest of my life. But I can tell you who I am. I am built to stand in this church and to lead us to a new season. I'm built to stand in this church and say, listen, we're not just going to build brick and mortar. We're going to build people and purpose. I'm built to stand right here to, to say to the next generation, we need you. I'm built to stand right here and say, I'm interested in what you're saying. I'm built to understand that we are not limited to a portable building for the rest of our days. I'm built to understand that God has good stuff in front of us, that I'm built to say, you know what? He's done great things in our past, but I'm built right here in the middle of all this to say I was born for this. I'm built for moments like this. I'm built for moments like this. I'm built for this. We're built for this. You're built for this. And us coming together in this season. And we have... We have slated this month as an opportunity to, to start this process, to start this sacrificial giving season for us, to begin to believe together. Something that we have not been a part of for many years. We haven't been in a campaign, if you want to use that word, or a sacrificial giving season. It's, it's been, I figured, about 20 years that we've done this. But it's time, as many of you have already committed, it's time for us to believe together. So because we've all made a commitment, I wanna share with you what God has done through your commitment. That God, through the past couple of weeks, that we are in a season to where we already have $523,691 that have been committed out of this church. Y'all need to clap your hands and be excited for that. Hallelujah. $523,000 have been committed from our congregation. We've been averaging about 350 on Sunday mornings, We're a little lower today. When we took over in 21, it was less than 200. We're growing. God is adding to us. We're, we're, we're moving along. And out in two weeks, God has brought us the ability for $523,000. And I give God the glory for it. The goal is this, a million dollars out of our church, a million. And I believe it. You know, you think, well, you, you know, I, I've testified a couple weeks ago that anytime I would get up and say bold things, I would feel this little weird thing in my stomach. <laughs> feel like, what am I saying? But I'm saying that we want, we're believing for a million dollars commitments in, in this season. And here's why. And I want to just share a testimony as I, as I leave here and a need. Friday, we've been waiting. I've been sharing with you. We need our building cost to be around at the max, $200 a square foot. I've been telling you, I'll pray, I'll pray, I'll pray. September, they gave us a, 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 an estimated cost to build the building, $5.2 million. They bring the hard bid to us this Friday, $7.7 million. It discouraged me, y'all. I was like, 
God, I've been praying. We've been trusting. That was really, and I just, you, you can ask Holly, you can ask the staff. I was just, uh, my, my knuckles were dragging the ground. I was like, God, I don't, I don't know what, 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 what this, what, what, what we, what we doing here, God? And I remember driving home and I'm just praying out loud and I'm, you know, those kind of prayers where you're a little frustrated. Uh, three people, you know, I mean, I, I was having one of those moments where it was like, you know, I was like, God, and, and, and I'm just testifying this. And this isn't, this isn't a bad news thing. This, I was just saying, God, I, I don't understand. You know, God, I would just, and I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of letting God have it. I mean, I was just frustrated. You know, I've, I don't, I, I was just praying frustrated. And, and I, and I said this, I said this, and this happened to me. And it was like the breaking moment for me in my prayer I said this God if you would just make it make sense to me I said it out loud just like that with that kind of just God just let it make just help me make it make sense and the it never had this happen the very minute that I said it the Lord spoke to me not audibly but just spoke to me and it was so fast it was almost like throwing a ball against a wall standing two feet away from it just like it just hit me. And, and, and just in the most subtle way, just this minute that I got through saying it out of my mouth, and he says this to me, he, he impressed, and I say he says this. I always say, I'm always careful to say God said, but I'm telling you, he said this. And he goes, miracles never make sense. <laughs> miracles never make sense. And I just, as I was driving, I just, dropped my head a little bit, and I said, you're right, God. You're right. Miracles never make sense. They're never calculated. They're never planned. They're just miracles. And I've been standing on that property, reading those stones, and I just I pray about the worship, we're going to be a church of prayer and committed to the word. And always kind of hang out a little longer on that stone that says unexpected miracles. And so I just, I just turned the page and said, all right, God, let's get busy. Because I'm not running away. I'm not running away. You... You, I don't care if I hear, if I feel the wind of the plane door opening, I'm going to have the courage to hang my feet on the side of that plane and I'm going to jump and I'm going to trust you and I'm trusting that your word that says miracles are never planned. You can't plan miracles. You can't put in, you can't put them into your daily routine. And I just said, well, God, I'm just going to stand up in front of the church on Sunday today. And I'm just going to tell them to pray for miracles. To pray for miracles. But I'm also going to tell them that the miracle begins in us. It begins in us. It understands that God, as we've been saying, that God is going to use us. And then he's going to, as we commit to this sowing season, that God is going to bring overflow to your life. And I say it this way, so we can get the splash of it. And I believe that. I want that so bad for us. I've got this stack of commitment cards on my desk. 
And I lay my hands on them. I said, God, a miracle begins in our people. And I'm praying miracles for you. I'm praying miracles for your life so we can build this church, so we can start the process and break ground and get banks where they need to be and, and get the capital campaign numbers to where they need to be so the banks will relax in this. It feels a lot like spinning plates. That's all right. I'll spin plates. I'll stay on the ladder. I'm doing a good work. I'm not coming down. I'm not running away. I don't care about opposition. I'm going to stand firm. And I say I, I'm really meaning us. We're going to stand firm in our position. We're going to stand firm. We're not going to be distracted. We're going to keep on moving forward. And so I want to encourage you. And I know many of you have already committed. Here's two things the Lord laid on my heart to just to encourage you. Two, two things. Number one. If you have committed, I want to encourage you to search your heart and ask yourself, is this a sacrifice? Is this, a, is this really stretching me? I'm just asking you to just to ask, pray that prayer. And if it is, praise God. We've already said this is not equal gifts. We're not looking for equal gifts. We're looking for equal sacrifice. I've said that a dozen times. It's not equal gifts that we're looking for. We're looking for equal sacrifice. And if everybody owns the stretch of this, then a million dollars or two million dollars or three million dollars or 7.7 million dollars isn't a big deal because it's the sacrifice. It's the stretching place that invites God to move. Moves on your behalf. Moves in your home. So my, that's my, my prayer for for you that have committed. My prayer for those that may be here that haven't committed. I'm just here to encourage you to jump on board. If you love your church, and I pray you do. I think you do. You're here. You're online. I want to encourage you to take the jump. Just to jump with us. To have the courage to say, listen, I don't know what all this looks like for me personally. I don't know what it looks like for my family. I don't know what the, I don't know. I know, and it, it, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I know, I know. I don't know some things too, but let's just jump together. Let's just jump together. When I jumped out of a plane, you knew who I was trusting? Yeah, I knew y'all would say that. I was. I said, God, I need your mercy and your grace, that if I'm doing something real stupid, that you'll help me get on the ground. But you know who else I was trusting? The guy on my back. I was trusting him, because I think he said he's done like 2,000 jumps. I was trusting the guy that had experience. And so you know who I'm trusting? God's got our back. Because we ain't the first one building a church. And so I, I, I am encouraging you the, only the best way and the most sincere way that I know how. That if you have not committed, I want you to commit. I want you to be a part. We're going to bring, this is Believe Sunday, where we're bringing our first gift. If you're just hearing about this and you've been praying about it, 
I understand you may not have something to give today, but I want everybody to prepare your best. We're going to launch this with our best, our sacrificial gift. And I want you to come. And, and whether you give online or whether you're going to drop it in a bucket, that doesn't matter to me. But I want, if you're going to give today, I want you to come. Now, if you haven't or you haven't decided to give and you want to be a part of this, our ushers are here with the cards. I want to put a card in your hand and not blasting you or not point, but just raise your hand and we're just going to put a card because I understand it's a busy season, graduation, you know, it's all, it, it, to get everybody here at the same time um, is, is difficult. But if you will, we're going to put a card and we're going to put a, a brochure in your hand too, if they have them. If not, we'll give it to you on your way out. We'll have them by the door. But, but we want to make sure that we want you to be a part of this commitment. Just, and I'm just asking for your best. $10,000 over the course is a three-year commitment. It's a three-year commitment that we are, are trusting the Lord. So it's not, we're not taking up an offering today and it's done. But stretching out in three years, I, I took $10,000. If you break up $10,000 over the course of three years, that's 156 weeks. If you break it up, that's about $62 a week. And I, I you know, I, it's just as a reference point that you can make and I can make uh, a big impact in the kingdom or 20,000, that's $124 a week. It, it, whatever it is, I'm just asking you to sacrifice and to realize that if we all do our part, it's doable for all of us. And I wanna encourage you, if you raise your hand, we'll, we'll get a card to you. We'll get a booklet to you so you know exactly the vision. And let me say this, if you have questions about it, I would love to sit down and meet with you. I'll, I'll meet you for coffee. We'll grab breakfast. We'll go skydiving. I mean, whatever you want to do, whatever you want. We'll jump together hand in hand. <laughs> no, but I will be glad to sit down with you and talk to you about it. You have questions. I got answers. We'll, I will tell you. If I don't have answers, I'll tell you. And, and I'll, I will be glad to dream with you about what God is doing and answer any questions that you have. And um, I believe in the future of our church. It, it's just getting good. Has it been limited with, with the building that we don't own anymore? Of course it has. But we're still building a church. We're still building a people. We're still making it work. And you guys have been so faithful at that. So let's just continue to build together. But I want you to stand to your feet. And if you're here today and you have brought your gift, Holly, you come and stand with me. I want you to come down to the altar. We'll put the buckets out and all that. But, I, but if, if you're giving online or maybe you already have, but I want you to come and don't leave yet. I want you to come and I want you to, if you are committed to this and you are bringing your best gift today and you have come planned to, to give, I want you to come and I want you to bring your gift because we're gonna agree together that God is gonna bless you. So we appreciate, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. And uh, we just agree. Thank you so much. We just love you guys. And we uh, just agree together. And I want you to hold your phone. I want you to hold your gift. And, and I want us to impact. I want us to make a, a dent in, in the, 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 the devil's face today with our giving today. And I want to say thank you in advance for being faithful. And again, my prayer isn't going to change much. My prayer is going to be this, that God is going to overwhelm you for your sacrifice that God is gonna meet you at that place of sacrifice. And again, I understand you may, or just hear, you may just be hearing about this and you're not sure yet, that's fine. It's not any separation that's, that looks judgy at all. 
This is simply because we have already planned. These are many that were in our home visits. They knew this date was on the calendar. But I want to encourage you to be a part. If you can do anything, at least make a commitment today to be a part. Raise up your, your card, your gift, or however you're informed. And I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you so much for, for those that are making this first step into this sacrificial giving. Thank you. I look at these faces that I've known many for many years that have gone through a pastoral transition, gone through some things in their life, been able to walk out some things, and they're still here believing, still here agreeing, still here sowing. And I thank you, Father, for it. Now, Father, I pray for every family that is giving today. I pray, God, that their step of sacrifice today, Father, there is just going to be an overflow of blessings, overflow of favor that's going to come to their life. I thank you, Father, that, that they will discipline themselves, that when overflow comes into their life, that they will be disciplined to remember the kingdom of God to remember the commitment. And for those that are just hearing about it, I pray that you'll move on their heart so we can build a church to reach a community, that we can build a church to reach uh, those that are far. We can reach the next generation, that we can make an impact, God. We thank you for it, and we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I just want to, yeah, you can, you can just scoot through. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being obedient. I can't say it enough how, how, how great it is. And again, if you have any questions, uh, I would love to, to talk to you, set up time with you to give you more of the vision. Yes. Uh, to to uh, just one second, I'll talk to you. Um, it, is this, it, I'd love to meet with you. I'm going to take my wife out for our anniversary for two days, but I'm back in the office on Wednesday and uh, I'll be glad to... Um, to meet with you. I love you so much. First time guests, we appreciate you so much being here and we love and appreciate you and we just believe God's going to do some big things. Thank you for giving today. Thank you for your sacrifice and we're excited about the future. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. I pray that this was a resource and a blessing to your life. Go to our webpage, polc.cc, to connect with us on all of the things that we're doing. And we want to stay connected to you because we believe God has some great things for you.